They are the executive pastors over the 10 campuses in Sydney, so including Oxford Falls. That's right. They've been on the C3 global team for 15 years. Oh my gosh. He has had, like, his experience extends over 37 years, which includes youth ministry, pastoral ministry, church planting, senior pastor of a C3 church uh, in the Philippines and in Sydney, and missions and ministry and oversight. He's also been actively involved in ministry training since 1995, has trained thousands of ministers in Bible, theology, ministry skill, leadership, Christian life to its fullest. So together, uh, Pastor Pat and his wife Amanda, they've started four businesses as well. I mean, where does the guy find the time? Really, honestly. You know, and he ha- also has a master's degree in applied science and a bachelor of theology. Incredible. Right there, you can see with that experience, the wisdom, the knowledge that has been gained. But it's, you know, it's not just about gaining knowledge. Like Wisdom is the correct application of that knowledge, and he's the man. So I would like you to all stand to your feet and give him a great C3 welcome, Pastor Pat. Well, good morning, C3 Kiwana Waters. How you doing? This is, please take a seat. Hey, and on the way down, let's give the worship team a big hand. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, team. Well, we have, uh, ever since we got the invite from Pastor John and Danielle, we have been absolutely uh, on the edge of our seat waiting to get up here because there's so many things that we want to commend you for and uh, to thank you for as a church. Uh, The last time we were here... Uh, the Pierce kids and the Antcliffe kids were just little dudes. And we did a house swap. So th- this was a long time ago. It must be like 18 years or something like that. And I remember uh, having lunch with uh, Russell Morita. And, uh, you know, and so I've had to spend a lot of money to get back up here again to entice uh, Pastor John and Danielle to get us back. Uh, but finally, we got the breakthrough and we've been able to come back. Uh, we've, we've just been uh, delighted to you know, get out of the plane and let Sydney just sort of wash off us and get the Sunshine Coast vibe. And uh, we're, we're, slowly, we're slowly getting normalised over the, the last uh, couple of days. Uh, you know, I, I think um, you know, one of the things that I can in particular commend you for as uh, someone from a church which has an impact beyond its own local area uh, so C3 Oxford Falls does it, where our pastor, of course, is Pastor Phil and Chris, and, and as well as our impact on our local area, there is an apostolic burden upon our church for uh, Australia and for uh, the, the global movement. And this church does the same thing. This church is an apostolic church. Uh, I, I've loved, as we've just been in here this morning, hearing of your heart for the Sunshine Coast and what you are doing in this part of the world. But it is also true that you carry something for our movement in Australia. And under John and Dan's leadership, seriously, 
uh, C3 Australia has just been growing and healthy. The, uh, the conferences have been incredible. And I know that people here have volunteered and borne that burden of carrying that off. So I wanted to thank you for being willing to be an apostolic church. Right? An apostolic church is not where you sit down and just get comfortable not doing a lot. Anyone found that? Right. It's, it's not where you just go, look, I've, 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 I've got a really small dream here and I want to get comfortable with that. You tend to be stirred every week to, to think bigger, dream bigger, and live a sacrificial life for something that you can get a well-done, good and faithful servant on. Is that, is that what happens in this church? So I want to commend you for being willing to do that because C3 in Australia is reaping the benefit of that. I also want to thank you for sending a brilliant team under the leadership of, of Mike and Kate Gentle over to Africa earlier in the year. Is there anybody here who was in that team? If you could just wave, there might be, might be, yes, thank you, thank you. So a team came from Kawana Waters and just served at our C3 East Africa conference. Uh, the, wherever you went in the conference, there they were. They're taking regos. They're showing people to their seat. They're helping uh, do all this, the production stuff in the service. And in cross-cultural situations, sometimes things can get complicated. But they just nailed it. So uh, Mike and Kate, why don't we just put our hands together, thank them. <clears throat> now, I'd like to show you a couple of photos. Let's check this out. <clears throat> and these photos are of the very first Express 2.0 that we ran in East Africa. Uh, the reason I'm showing you is that you actually funded this, C3 Kuana Waters. You've, you funded 30 of our under 35-year-old leaders. They came from Uganda, Kenya, Congo, and we trained them for a week holistically. Right? So they're up at six, praying for an hour. Then at seven, we trained for an hour. And then all day it was leadership and church and holistic training. You can see there, right, Mark Kelsey, who is as fit as a fiddle. He's ridiculously fit. And we've got all of these guys from across East Africa. And uh, he's, he's taking them to a place where they didn't think their bodies could go, and he's showing them that when your body thinks you've had enough, you've actually got about, when your mind thinks your body's had enough, you've probably got about 40% more left in the tank. And so uh, there we are. That's after a few days, and they're getting used to the thought that actually we can probably do this. Uh, <clears throat> next one. Uh, that's Garth Ball, Garth and Jamie Lee. They're from the Central Coast on New South Wales and they have planted C3 Nairobi. And they're now a part of our East Africa team doing teamwork stuff. Amanda and I teaching there on, on marriage and ministry. So it's very holistic. We did finances as well. Uh, next one will show uh, just some of them. Th these guys, they, they don't normally hang out with each other, but they're going to be peers. Uh, they, they're going to be friends in ministry for life after this shared experience. And at the end of the week, the Warrior Award is given for who has the best attitude, the most courage, just takes it up the guts all week. So we had Gabriel on the left, and he's from northern Uganda. Uh, you, you might have heard of the Lord's Resistance Army. 
Back in 2012, Mate Coney Famous was talking about a guy that had uh, into child soldiers and, and uh, child sex slaves. Well, he's from that part of the world. And we now, C3 has about 38 churches in that part of the world, which is amazing. And from the other end of the scale, the, the guy on the other side there, uh, Kevin was from Nairobi, so one of our big city churches there. So uh, Gabriel got the award because he was an animal all week, and Kevin got the award because he tried hard all week. <laughs> Any, anybody here ever received the most improved award? You don't know whether to say thank you or not, do you? Because just think, oh, wow, how bad was I at the beginning? <laughs> anyway, he got that. So I think, guys, just give yourself a big hand for what you just pulled off in East Africa. Well done, well done. Um, commend you also, 52 people coming for freedom ministry training. That tells me something of the heart of this church for setting people free. And, and so Amanda came back from that really pumped yesterday. She will be on tonight. Uh, Month of Miracles and it has been just really seeking God on how to bring tonight in that whole flow of, of miracles and believing God to turn up and to do the supernatural. You know, if, if our God created the natural, I suspect he can do beyond that when, when we seek him and believe him to do beyond the natural. And so Amanda is going to be... Uh, bringing a word on that. And I would just like to mention as well, Amanda uh, wrote a brilliant book some years ago called Women Rising. This book contains her heart for women to discover who they are as God created them, how they're wired, what they're passionate about, what their gifts are, and to understand how to fully step into it and be who God created them to be and live that life that God created them to live. So that is Amanda's heart for that, and I think that that can be uh, purchased wherever resource... Where's that? At the service desk. Thank you. And uh, so recommend that you get a hold of that if you're not going to be at tonight's meeting. So about <coughs> three years ago, <coughs> uh, I was on the south coast, as is our pattern every year for our annual holidays. Uh, I find that there are, you know how there's a whole lot of things that really do divide people as to their likes, and I find that camping holidays is one of them. There are those who like to sleep under the stars and those who like to sleep under the five stars. And uh, we, we, for 21 years, have camped on the south coast of New South Wales. Indeed, if you add up all of our camping holidays, we've lived on the south coast for over a year. And so I was on one of these camping holidays, and <clears throat> do we have any campers amongst us here today? Well done. Hardcore, resilient, excellent people right there. <laughs> and, and so what I would do on a normal camping day, I'd get up at about quarter to six, go surfing with a few of the boys, have some coffee on the way home, get back to the tent whilst all is still quiet amongst the tent, have my muesli, get my Bible, put in a little backpack, jump on my bike and then go, God, where are we going to spend a bit of time this morning? Just jump on the bike and head off somewhere. This particular day I went to a park, there was a park bench, beautiful big fig trees, a lovely lawned area and I 
put my bike to the side, got my, my backpack, got my Bible out, like to set up, get my reading glasses there, there, my Bible's there, my pen's there. I'm all set up. Then I have a look around. <clears throat> and I found that the Holy Spirit just began to draw my attention to the things of life that are here today and gone tomorrow. How fast this part of our existence goes. And I watched an elderly man walking across the park with his elderly dog. Uh, fox terriers. I don't know if you've... There was an era, an era where people uh, just would have fox terriers, these little little yappy high energy dogs and, and, and he's walking along and he had uh, one of those sticks that you can throw the tennis ball with and he got it and he went like this and off it went and the dog just looked at him to think you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> In dog years I'm older than you dude and I'm not going anywhere. But I just found the Holy Spirit drawing my attention to the temporal and as I, I, I then after spending a bit of time in the Word, I went back to the campsite. And as I'm walking around the campsite, you know, there's people there that for 20 years we have lived next to for two to three weeks every year. When, when Tyler was a year old, our son Tyler, so, so we've got two kids. Jacinta is 25. She studies in Melbourne now. Tyler is 22, and he's at, at, at Sydney Uni. Uh, he's come here a few times with the college students. When the, when the students have, have uh, come and served here. I think that's how you guys may be connected, Jackson. And um, so he was just one and he's now 22. And so um, have you ever done that thing where you, you get a, a, an exercise book as a kid at school and you do stick figures on each page and you change it slightly so that when you flick through you, and you see things move? Well, it's like we've got these two-week snapshots into people's years over 21 years, and we've seen life. People who were little babies when we first were going there are now married. Uh, people who were little kids have got families of their own. People who were not married are married. People who were married are not married. People who were uh, our age who got grandkids and... People who were alive or not. There's one year where there was three lots of people who, who were telling us about the passing of a parent. And so I began to see with like these God eyes how fast the temporal goes past. And yet God created us for way more than the temporal. We are created for the eternal, for the infinite for the unlimited realm of God. And whether we acknowledge God or get it or not, people still carry this thing on the inside where they know that there's more to it than being born, living for a while, and then becoming carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, and a few trace elements. You know, we, the, 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 the committed atheist is a rare breed. Most people innately understand there's more to it. It says it. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We may not understand it, but eternity resides in our hearts. So 
whilst it might be something that's difficult to grasp, it's something that if we let the busyness die down a bit and we begin to think of the things that are really important, that eternity begins to loom. I suspect that when we are looking at things like this church is in a month of miracles, that the more we begin to see an eternal God who is outside of time and outside of the natural, that we can begin to believe a God for whom the supernatural is easy when we, when, when we see that and we believe him to unleash that in our lives. The challenge with any of this is when we are confronted daily by the natural and the temporal is to see the supernatural and the eternal. Would you agree? Like, like everybody here, I would think, would be going, okay, eternal, that means that we live forever. I get it. I don't get it. It's, it's, how can you possibly conceive of something that is so beyond our experience? We're born, we can't see beyond the veil of death, and yet we know that we have been created eternal beings. What does that mean? What does it look like? How can I let that so permeate my understanding of reality that I live like an eternal being? Well, the way you do that is the way that anything of the God stuff comes into us, that we let the Holy Spirit bring the Scripture alive in us. So that's what we're going to do now. Look at the Word and let the Word bring understanding of something which is beyond our understanding naturally. So let's begin to have a look at this with some great scriptures on eternity. Could I get you to turn to Philippians 3, 20 to 21? Philippians 3, 20 to 21. We've spent a bit of time in scripture. And as we do this, we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to bring a revealing, a, a revelation that that we are not just temporal beings. Tell you what, I have seen not just people that don't have a relationship with Jesus, but people who do utterly and totally caught up in the temporal. Like it is all there is to it. But today, we can let the eternal become a reality in us. So Paul speaking, he says, we are citizens, in he we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. What do you mean? He's already saved us, hasn't he? Uh, but there's other parts of this salvation. We're going to let that unfold. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he can bring everything under his control. Okay, there's a few wild things here that you and I, when we know Jesus, are not citizens only of the country in which we live, but are citizens of an eternal relationship with God in heaven. And it says there that he is going to change our mortal bodies, the body that is not going to make it past the veil of death. And he is going to change it into a glorious body. Just saying some of these things again. It's too easy to read and skim over this stuff. 
a glorious body like what? Like his own. That body that St. John the Revelator could not even look at. It was so glorious. And that is going to be the body that we live in that is us in all eternity. Now, I used to not have my eyes uh, seeing these sort of scriptures as much when I was a younger man because the fact that my body may not work as well one day was not yet an experiential part of my existence. <clears throat> I just thought, I can do it all, I can smash it out, and uh, I'm just going to keep on being like this. Uh, anybody here play rugby or once did in their glory days? One or two? So, so I played rugby league from when I was seven, rugby union from when I was 15. I kept on playing rugby union uh, competition until I was about 25. And then that was when I started doing something really dangerous. Really dangerous is you don't train regularly every week, but what you do is on the church social game, pull out the boots, the mouth guard, and without training, you run on the field. Now, I did that kind of annually, semi-annually, until I was 44. Anyone know where this is heading right now? So, uh, one, of our, one of the pastors on our team, uh, a, a wonderful guy called Mark Saundercock, had a brainwave. Saundy's from New Zealand, and he said, let's have a game where we have C3 New Zealand guys in Sydney play the C3 Aussie guys in Sydney. And so we, we, I don't know what happened. It was like the cloak of stupidity was upon us at the time. And, and we said, okay, that sounds like a good idea, Saundy. Let's do that. And so we turn up to play this game. And I just look at all of these Polynesian brothers, <laughs> Melanesian brothers, all considerably larger than myself, all considerably younger than myself. And uh, the first thing that, that was very off-putting was how well they did the haka. So we, we lined up and, and there would be you know, uh, one of the brothers who's like a deacon. And, and each week he'd just softly say, oh, it's good to see you, Pastor Pat. Welcome to church, eh? So gentle. And when they did this haka... It was so awesome that all of the Aussies, we looked at each other and just went, that was brilliant. We clapped them <laughs> because they said, boys, that was, that was ferocious. And so we played this game. We gave a reasonable account of ourselves and lost. When, when we shook hands with the guys that we were, we were marking, I was marking a 23-year-old Samoan. <clears throat> I came off the field afterwards. And I said to Amanda, honey, I love playing rugby. I'm going to keep playing this game until I am 60. This is awesome. And then my body cooled down. <laughs> I had broken this finger clean through. I had done rib cartilage damage and couldn't sleep on my ribs for about a month. And I was so concussed that as I was speaking to Amanda, I just got tunnel vision. <clears throat> Who knows that Amanda had a word of wisdom and, and we hung up those boots and, and I haven't done it since. <clears throat> There's going to be a time 
when this body which is affected by the temporal will be made new, will be made glorious, will be made like him to carry the glory, not the fallenness, but the full glory of the Son of God. And that is the reality of the eternity that awaits all of us who are in relationship with Jesus Christ. John 14, 1 to 3, let's look there together. John 14, 1 to 3, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Jesus had told the disciples, I'm preparing a place for you. And when it's all ready, I'm going to come and get you. A couple of years ago, I was in Perth and I had a spare day in my uh, schedule there. And I thought, I've never been to Rotsnest Island. I'd like to get out there. So I jumped on a ferry at Perth and went down the Swan River and across to Rotsnest. Now, as you're going down the Swan River, there was a guy on the ferry who gave a bit of a tourist spiel. And he's telling us about points of interest. And he said, now, if you'd like to look... Over on your right, we have got the most expensive house in Perth. And so the whole ferry gets across on the side there, and you look at this thing on the riverbank, and it looked like an institution. It was then, this is going back five years, I think it was $60 million worth of residence. And everybody's here just going, oh my goodness. And you could see there was one or two that are just like, that's unfair. I'd never get something like that. But I just had a sneaky smile on the inside that what my God is preparing for me for eternity. Now, and now if this is the same God who created the heavens and the earth, who dreamed not of just dwellings but galaxies, and a universe and worlds, then maybe he can come up with something which is extraordinary that no mind can comprehend for our eternal future. So not only does he give us a glorious body, he gives us a glorious dwelling and it doesn't stop there. Revelation 21, 1 to 3. Are you enjoy, enjoying the scripture unfolding and showing you eternity this morning? Look at this, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now catch this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, 
for the old order of things has passed away. The salvation that our God gives us is a treasure that we will never stop discovering. How vast and deep and rich and wide it is. And many of us here today have discovered the first part of that treasure, which is that he saves us from the penalty of sin. When we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, he takes our death and he gives us life. Now, if you're doing C3 College online, you'd probably know we call that justification. He saved us. And then his salvation keeps going because as we know him and walk through life, he saves us from the power of sin, right? The things that once ruled over us, we begin to rule over them. The things that once were uh, in victory over us, we get victory over them. And as we are saved from the power of sin, that's called sanctification. But coming for us, in our experience of eternity, and alluded to there in Revelation, is a time when we will not only be saved from the penalty and the power of sin, but from the very presence of sin. And the things that sin have brought into the world, shame and guilt and disease, and it said it there, crying and sickness and pain, that old order will have passed away and our full salvation of being saved from the presence of sin will have come. That is the reality of our eternity, forever. And what we have now, our experience now, is as nothing compared to what he has got stored up for us forever. Now, when that understanding resides in us, you live differently when eternity comes into our heart, you cannot be the same. The Apostle Paul, if you ever want to get an eternal perspective, just read the Pauline letters, Paul's letters. Paul, I mean, he, he actually was taken on, a, on, a, on a, an experience of heaven and, and it changed him. And it just comes out in everything he writes. Look at how profoundly this affected Paul. You might look at this, you might have read this before and thought, oh, that's just, that's just like a bit over the top. But actually, this is what happens when you see the reality that we're created for eternity. Philippians 1, 20 to 23. Philippians 1, 20 to 23. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I, don't, I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Now, is that just sort of some fringe view? Some, some uh, hardcore thing that was just like an apostolic calling back there? Or if eternity is something we carry in our hearts, would that impact the way we live now? 
but also cause us to see that through the veil of death is something that he has got set up, that God has prepared for us, which is far better for us. Let me tell you a Sydney story for a few moments. In 1884, uh, a baby was born in a, in a city suburb, Balmain, and that baby's name was Arthur Stace. Arthur was born into a family that was uh, severely dysfunctional, both parents alcoholic. Uh, as a little five-year-old, he would often sleep under the house on cardboard to get away from the violence in the home. He would uh, steal money that was left out for milk and bread, as you would do it in those days. By the time he was 15, he spent his first time in jail. His first occupation was uh, as a cockatoo, which means a lookout for police, for his sister's brothels that they ran. In World War I, he went overseas as a soldier. He was injured by gas, came back to Sydney, and once again uh, dived into chronic alcoholism. Uh, people thought the only way we can save this guy is to put him into a mental institution and, and, or, or to lock him up in jail. Somehow, he made it to age 40, and he was walking down Broadway, which is near Sydney University, and he walked past uh, the Anglican church there, uh, St. Bartholomew's, and the Reverend Hammond was preaching about how you can come to know Jesus personally. After 40 years of the most horrific and dysfunctional life you can imagine, Arthur Stace asked Jesus to be his Lord and Saviour. And his life changed completely from that point. Two years later, the Reverend Ridley came and was bringing a message, and his message was eternity. And as he stood up there and spoke, he said, eternity, eternity. Sydney, I want all of you to hear the message of eternity. Where will you spend your eternity? And as he's preaching this, Arthur hears it as a call. Like the Holy Spirit drops this call that he is to write the word eternity in chalk on the footpaths of Sydney. Now the thing that's amazing about this is he can't even write his own name. But when he writes eternity, it comes out in this beautiful copper plate script. And so he begins writing eternity. He does it for 30 years. Sometimes he tries to write something different. But God keeps bringing him back to eternity. And as he writes this and he gets up early in the morning and writes it, Sydneyites who are just utterly caught up in the temporal on their way to work doing the stuff of here today and gone tomorrow would see this anointed word written and start thinking about eternity. It's estimated that he wrote it over 500,000 times. Mr. Eternity, as he became known, uh, wasn't discovered until quite late in his years. His, his minister finally worked out who it was. He's been celebrated in play uh, with, a, with a play written about him and um, uh, books, poetry. Uh, in the year 2000 Olympics, actually I think we've got a photo, actually one photo of Arthur Stace that uh, we can have a look at. Uh, it's the only one of him actually doing that pop-up in a tick. <clears throat> so there he is, writing eternity. The only photo of him doing it. 
Uh, when two billion people are watching the opening ceremony of the Sydney Olympics, they heard the story of eternity. And this is what they saw on the Harbour Bridge. It is my prayer this morning that the Holy Spirit would write that word on every heart. Because when eternity is written on our hearts, everything changes. Everything changes. When eternity is written on our when we see a God who isn't limited to the here and now and to the natural, we can begin to believe him for the miraculous. When eternity is written on our hearts, we say to him, God, I'm up for the fight. This fight you've got me in. I'm not backing out. When eternity is written in our hearts, we'll say, God, I'm up for a life that is dying to self and living for you. When eternity is written on our hearts, we'll say, God, I'm up for the sacrifice because I don't need to get it all now. You've got eternity waiting for me and it's beyond my imagination. When eternity is written on our hearts, we understand what it means to be a steward of the time we've got. And the money and the talents and the opportunities he puts in our hands, we'll live it and hold those things like a steward. We'll take a hold of them rather than letting them take a hold of us. When eternity's written in our hearts, it changes our view of things even the things that we might otherwise call tragedy, even the things that we might think in the short time on this earth could not be changed, redeemed. Some people here today might have faced things that in this world think, how, how can God do something with that? And yet when we put it in his hands, he can make it something glorious and redemptive. You know, the first year I was the Bible college principal, 1998, I still remember being at home with some students one morning and my father walked in the door and he said these words, never forget it, said, Patrick, Mark is dead, Mark my next youngest brother and the oldest of five and my brother had lived a really tough life he was 33 when he was born it was under traumatic a traumatic birth he didn't get enough oxygen to his brain so he was he was intellectually slow he's high functioning but intellectually slow had to go to special classes he his self-esteem was poor because of that he was bullied because of that made a lot of poor choices. He, he covered his body in pretty ugly tattoos. Not cool ones like you see now, but stuff that said, I don't feel good about myself. Parents don't expect to bury their kids. And yet a couple of days later, my mum saw a, a vivid dream of my brother swimming in a river, no more tattoos, trees beside the river, she told my sister, and my sister said, you just described the picture out of Revelation 22. A little while later, my daughter, who didn't know about that dream, saw the same dream. Except this time, there was a little bit added to it, 
where she said, and I can see a throne up the river with someone sitting on the throne. In the eyes of the temporal, that story is irredeemable. Tragic. What can you do with it? But in the eyes of eternity, see my brother Mark, even though he had a tough life, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour. And sometimes he drifted away, but he always came back. So the end of that story is not what happened in the temporal. The end of that story is that I'm going to see my brother in heaven where there's no sickness or crying or pain. Could I ask everybody here just for a moment to close your eyes? Now this morning as I've shared from the Bible these words about eternity. And on several occasions as we've looked at this, I've, I've mentioned coming into a relationship with Jesus. That God actually wants to know us. We might never have asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And if that is you this morning, I'm going to give you opportunity in just a moment to be prayed for that you can ask Jesus to come into your life, to bring forgiveness, and that you now make your story not one that ends with the temporal, but goes on into eternity. Or maybe you're thinking, I once knew Jesus, I was close to him, but it feels like I've drifted away. This morning, you can come back to him. You can come back into close relationship with Jesus. Or perhaps you're here, and if I was to ask you, if you were to die today, are you sure you would go to be with God in heaven? And your answer might be, well, I hope so. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I, I think so. I try to do the right thing. Well, today you can know so. And the way you know so, that you can have absolute confidence, is by asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. So if that is you today, I'm just going to ask you to do something. If that's you, while everybody's eyes are closed, if you're wanting to meet Jesus for the first time or to come back into relationship with him or to be absolutely certain of your salvation, just while everybody's eyes are closed, could I ask you just to show me, right? It's just me, me asking you so that I can, I can pray with you to put your hand in the air, put it up boldly, don't hold back, Put it up and we're going to pray a prayer together. So if that's you, just put your hand in the air right now saying, Pat, I want to pray that prayer to ask Jesus to come into my life, to come back to him or to be sure of my salvation. And we are going to, to pray in just a moment all together that prayer. So if that's you, stick your hand in the air and say, that's what I want to do. I want to receive him today. First time coming back being certain. Let's pray. Can I ask everybody here to say this prayer after me? Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus, that he died for me to take my sin, to take my death, that I might have relationship with you. From now on, I don't live for myself. I live for you. Wash me clean. Set me free. Be my Lord. I ask this 
In Jesus' name. Amen. And I just want to ask one more thing. If this morning you're wanting to say to Jesus, help me right now to go from being a temporal Christian to being an eternal one. I don't want to walk away from this service and just go back to living for the things that pass away. That's you. Then just while we've got our eyes closed once again, if that's you, you're thinking, I want to live for Christ like an eternal being. Let's just put our hand in the air again. Father, we thank you for each person who wants to be an eternal Christian, someone who knows the reality of their existence. Father, we ask that this would be more than a message, but it would become revelation. It would become transforming revelation that your spirit would apply this to our heart, soul, and mind, and that we would live differently, that we would not be the same, and that when we step across that threshold into eternity, that we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's our prayer, our heart, and our commitment to you this morning. Holy Spirit, help us to do it, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. C3 Kiwana Waters has been my privilege to be with you this morning. Thank you.